Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by going to Patreon.GreatDetectives.net. And now, a special announcement. I began doing old-time radio podcast 16 years ago this past Tuesday. Throughout that time, it has been something that I've done in addition to my day job. But that is changing. Today is my last day with my employer after 19 and a half years. And the podcast and other creative efforts are going to be my professional focus from here on out. Uh, This is a big change, and I'll have more to say about it after the program. But now, it's time for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air dates, October 26th to October 28th, 1955. And it's the Alvin Summers Matter, episodes 3 through 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for Bob Bailey as... Johnny Dollar. This is Lieutenant Gomez of the Santo Tomas Police Department. Oh, yeah, Lieutenant. I have been trying to reach you for some time. Sorry, I was out making some funeral arrangements. It is about the dead man that I wish to speak to you, senor. Fire away, Lieutenant. What's on your mind? Precisely the question I was about to ask you. What do you mean? Surely I do not need to remind you that Benito Escanza was found dead in your hotel room earlier this evening. You certainly don't. But I've already told one of your cops the whole story. Perhaps. Perhaps not. I suggest that you come to see me so that we can discuss it further. Is that an invitation or an order? Uh, Let us call it an invitation. But if you do not accept, we will have to come and get you. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Santo Tomas, Mexico. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Northeastern Fidelity and Bonding, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of additional expenses during my investigation of the Alvin Summers $75,000 embezzlement case. Item 6, $25 American. Funeral and burial expenses for Benito the Bellboy. Somebody had to do it, and he apparently had no family. After I made the arrangements with the town's undertaker, I went back to my room and received Lieutenant Gomez's polite but firm invitation to drop in on him. So I went on down to police headquarters. Sit down, Senor Dollar. Thanks, Lieutenant. So? So, the autopsy has confirmed the fact that Benito Escanza died from knife wounds. I didn't need an autopsy to tell me that. It was obvious. But what is not obvious is your part in all of this. Look, the story hasn't changed a bit since I told it to your Sergeant Romero. I went back to my room at midnight. I opened my balcony door and enrolled Benito. His throat had been cut. 
That is the story as to what is behind the story. That may well be another matter. For instance? For instance, in a case such as this, everyone is a potential suspect. Everyone, including you. Isn't this being pretty ridiculous, Gomez? Is it? Then perhaps you would be kind enough to tell me if there was some legitimate reason Benito had his throat cut in your hotel room. Well, in the first place, if you're interested in alibis, I've got one. Indeed? Indeed. I was with a girl named Gloria Harris up at the Hotel Playa del Mar all evening. You can check that. Oh, you may be quite certain that I am checking on all your activities this evening, senor. In the second place, if you're interested in motives, I don't have one. No? Why would I want to kill Benito when I was hoping to get some information from him? Information of what sort, senor Dollar? Oh, I guess I'd better start at the top, Lieutenant. Here's my card. You're an insurance investigator. That's right. About six months ago, a man named Alvin Summers up in the States embezzled $75,000 from the company he worked for. The outfit I'm representing in the deal wrote the bond on him, so they were stuck for the money. $75,000. A couple of days ago, they got a long-distance phone call from down here in Santo Tomas. The man who called claimed that he had information about Alvin Summers. That's why I came down here. Now, who was the man who telephoned? We don't know. I came on the chance that he might contact me here, or that I might get some kind of lead on Alvin Summers' whereabouts. And have you? No, on both counts. Benito said he knew about a place where Summers used to live. He was going to take me there tonight. But apparently somebody had other ideas. And a knife to back them up. I see. And nobody has tried to contact you? Oh, sure, sure. Several people have. But always for the wrong reason. First, there was a man named Carson, a zipper salesman. He contacted me for the purpose of setting up a cribbage game. Cribbage? What is this cribbage? Now, that's something I hope I never find out. Hmm? And there was a strong arm who bounced me around with a gun barrel and suggested politely that I wanted to leave town. Oh? Uh, What did he look like? Well, he was heavy in the shoulders, thick neck, low forehead, short dark hair, scar over the bridge of his nose. Scar? That would be Senor Kraus. You know him? I know him by sight. Who is he? What's his pitch? That is something I do not know. Senor, you must understand that Santo Tomas is a rather strange town and a dangerous one. Come in. Hey, Lieutenant. Can't you see that I'm busy, Sergeant Romero? A body is about Senor Dollar. Oh. Well, uh, what is it? Well, I have talked to a Senorita Gloria Harris at the Hotel Playa del Mar. She said that Senor Dollar was with her throughout the evening. Very well, Romero. Uh, One thing more. We have just arrested a man, an American tourista... Uh, Senor Carson. I will talk to him when I have time. Hey, wait a minute. That's the zipper salesman I was telling you about. Indeed? Yeah. Hey, look, maybe he ties into this deal after all. What's the charge? Romero? Uh, Is it disturbing the peace? Oh, great. Just when I thought I had a lead. What's the matter? He got a few too many under his belt, maybe? Well, Romero? Uh, Here's the report. The Senor Carson is outside. Gracias. That will be all. Uh, I will talk to the man. See you, Senor Donald, if you know this man, perhaps you had better come with me. Okay. Dollar! Say, I'm sure glad to see you. Hiya, Carson. What seems to be the trouble? Well, it wasn't as much as they made it, Dollar. Fella goes out stepping. Sometimes he, well... Well, you know. Yeah, he steps a little too far. Well, I was only having a little fun. Senor Carson, this report states that you are at the Hotel Playa del Mar this evening. Uh, that's right. But now, Lieutenant... It further what... states that you became increasingly noisy and that at one point, during a dance by an entertainer, 
You grabbed a serape from one of the musicians and attempted to join in the dance. Now, now, Lieutenant, maybe I was a little out of line, but I... Further, that when the dancer refused to dance with you, you chased her around the patio several times. Trying to sell her a zipper, maybe? Oh, no, dollar, let up on a guy, will you? And that, finally, when the musician attempted to get his serape away from you, you broke his guitar over his head. Say, when you get going, you're a real tiger, aren't you? Are these things true, Senor Carson? Well, I, I suppose the facts are correct, but they sound different somehow down here. I was just trying to have a little fun, you know. See, si, uh, Sergeant Romero will conduct you to the magistrate. Romero! Well, Dollar, are you just going to stand there and not do anything? After all, we both live at the same hotel, and... And? And? Oh, you're a big help. What'll happen to him, Lieutenant? Oh, you will have to pay the damages, and there will be a fine. Which will probably go on his expense account. Lieutenant, you started to tell me about this Beetlebrow Krauss who put a few dents in me. I started to say that before the people from Mexico City built the new hotel, this town unfortunately used to be something of a haven for undesirable characters from the United States. Fugitives, huh? Some of them still remain. And although I know very little about Senor Krauss, it is probable that he is one of them. Could be. You say that he and Senor Carson are the only ones who have made any effort to contact you? Yeah, except for Gloria Harris, of course. I still haven't found out what's on her mind. Hmm? I mean, what else is on her mind. She says she's down here on a vacation. Indeed. In that case, it has certainly been a long vacation. What do you mean? She's been here for several months, to my knowledge. Well, well. Now, that's very interesting, Lieutenant. Thanks. Anything else you want to ask me about, Benito? Uh, not at uh, the moment, but I suggest you remain available. You know where to find me. One moment, Senor Dollar. Hmm? A word of warning. As I told you, this town can be a dangerous place. I would suggest that you be quite careful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing I wish to impress upon you. If you are at any time tempted during your investigation to take the law into your own hands... I assure you that you will regret it. Well, in that case, I hope you're around when and if I need you. Whether or not I am available, the warning still applies. Okay. Be seeing you. Johnny. Well, Gloria, I thought you were tucked in for the night. I couldn't sleep, so I called your hotel. Oh? They told me that the bellboy had been murdered, that you were at the police station, so I came down here. Is there anything I can do? Not for Benito, I'm afraid. He was killed in your room? Yeah. You think he could have been killed by mistake? Mistake? You mean maybe I was supposed to be the target? Hey, it's a thought. Johnny, you're in trouble of some kind. I wish you'd tell me what it is. You're not just down here on a vacation. Speaking of vacations, Gloria, let's... Johnny, what is it? Keep looking straight ahead. There's somebody across the street in the shadows. He's tailing us. Can you see who it is? When he goes past that light, I'll be... Well, what do you know? My old friend Kraus again. You mean the man who came to your room and was looking for you on the beach? That's the boy. Funny how he always seems to pop up when I'm with you. Johnny, I tell you, I don't know Doesn't him. Doesn't matter right now. Come on. Turn into the alley here. Okay. Now keep going straight down this alley and out the other end. Go back to your hotel and I'll call you there later. I may be a while. What are you going to do? Wait for him. No, Johnny. Look, Gloria, don't give me any argument this time. Get going. After she was out of sight, I ducked into a doorway. Then I waited. 
Yeah, Krauss was following all right. I waited until he got right up to me. And I dove at him. You! That's right, me. Drop the gun. Drop it. Yeah, this time I'm ready for you, sweetheart. Funny thing about me, Krauss. I don't like guys working over me with a gun barrel ever. All right. Now you're going to tell me what this is all about. Why you've been tailing me. Why you worked me over with a gun barrel in my room last night. I want to hear all about it. You know why. Talk. I said talk. You're not taking me back. Taking you back? I know you came down here after me, but I ain't going back. What are you talking about? You know what happens to a three-time loser. Three-time loser? Want me back home? You got to carry me. Hey, wait a minute. You ever hear of a man named Alvin Summers? Oh? How about Gloria Harris? No, no, no. You sure about that, Cross? <laughs> Look, don't. Look, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you are. You're too punchy right now to give me a routine. Yeah, I think I get it. You're wanted in the States. You figured I was a cop and came down here to make a pinch. Brother, right now, I sure wish I was. You mean you... No, I'm no cop. Oh. I guess I made a mistake. You sure did, Buster. Um, no hard feelings? Oh, no, no, not at all. I just love the feel of a gun barrel whipping across my face. Kraus, I got a nice little piece of advice for you. Next time, you better find out what the score is before you jump into the ball game. I left him there in the alley and went back to my hotel. Then, just as I was about to open the door to my room, I heard someone moving around inside. I went quietly down to the end of the hall, out the window, then eased along the balcony back toward my room. Inside, it was dark, but I could make out someone bent over my luggage, searching it. I edged across the room, slowly. Then I lunged. Ah! Hello, Gloria. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Helping me unpack, maybe. Look, I... I can explain, Johnny. You know something? That's just exactly what you're gonna do. Johnny Dollar. Yeah, remember me, sweetheart? Johnny, I didn't I'm the guy you were making the big pitch for. Dancing, moonlight on the beach, the complete routine... Oh, I got to hand it to you, baby. That was real nice acting. No, it wasn't acting, Johnny. I meant it, all of it. Oh, sure, Gloria, sure. That's why I catch you here and searching my room. That's all part of the big romance, huh? I can explain. And that's just what you're going to do. Hey, look, Gloria, one guy has already wound up dead on this deal. I've got a strong hunch I'm number two man on the list. And this baby I do not want. Santo Tomas, Mexico. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Northeastern Fidelity and Bonding, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of additional expenses during my investigation of the Alvin Summers embezzlement of $75,000. Item 9, $17.60. Business entertainment for one Gloria Harris. Believe it or not, I wasn't going to put that item on the account because I figured it might just possibly be a private romance. But when I caught Gloria searching my hotel room, I knew she tied into the deal somehow. That she could give me information on Summer's whereabouts. Johnny, please. Oh, no. You're not leaving, Gloria. Not yet. I'm not trying to get away. I... Oh, it's the use. You'd never believe me. Why should I? You lied to me. I lied to you once. 
Only once. When I told you I'm here on a vacation. I'm not. Surprise. The truth is I'm stranded down here. Stranded? Oh, sure. That's why you're staying at the Playa del Mar, the most expensive hotel in town. I don't mean no money. I mean no passport. Oh. It's true. You got a cigarette, Johnny? Yeah, here. Thanks. Yeah. I've been stuck in this ratty town for four months now. Just hoping every day that I could figure out some way or find somebody to help me get back to the States. How come you picked this town, assuming I believe you? Because I heard that fugitives from the States sometimes came here. I've been drifting around for a year from place to place. I guess I thought my luck had changed here. Well, it hasn't. How'd you lose your passport in the first place? I'll tell you if you really want to know, Johnny. Personally, I'd rather skip it. It's a long story, not a very pretty one. And it's all in the past. Let's just say I've made a mistake about a guy. Okay, Gloria, okay. But there's one little item you haven't told me. Why you were searching my room just now. Because I was trying to find out something about you, Johnny. The reason why you're down here. Why? So maybe I could make a deal with you. Deal? You helped me get a passport. And I'll help you. How can you help me? You're looking for Alvin Summers, aren't you? Oh, am I? Six months ago, he embezzled $75,000 up in the States and took off. Go on. You came down here to find him. You're an insurance investigator. Keep talking. That's all. That's it. Now maybe you wouldn't mind telling me how you know all of... Oh, sure. That report in my suitcase. In the picture. Alvin Summers, I know him. I can help you, Johnny. Where is he? First, I've got to know if you'll help me. The passport? The passport. Well, what do you expect me to do about that? In your business, Johnny, you must meet a lot of people, all kinds. Maybe one of them has an extra passport or two for a price, maybe. All right, I'll see what I can do. Is that the best you can say? That's the best. Take it or leave it. All right, I'll take it. I haven't any choice. Now, about Alvin Summers. I'll take you there, to Summers' place. Where is it? Down the beach, about a mile below town. Then into the jungle a little way. How come you know where it is? I met Alvin Summers a couple of months ago. Here in Santo Tomas? Yeah. I went there once for dinner. Okay, you take me there, Gloria. First, I'd better go up to the hotel and change. The country's pretty rough on clothes. Okay, I'll meet you at your hotel in half an hour. Johnny. Mm. I only lied to you about one thing. The reason I was down here. The rest of it I meant... Last night, on the terrace and on the beach, I meant all of it. Really, Johnny, and I mean this. You know, I'm kind of glad you told me that. See you in half an hour. I stayed there a while after she left, going over the case in my mind. Maybe she was telling me the truth. But whether she was or not, I had to follow up any lead I could find because I was getting nowhere the way things were. Half an hour later, as I was starting out of my room to go pick her up, my phone rang. It was a long-distance call from the States. Fred Wilkins at Northeastern Fidelity, Johnny. Hi, Fred. Well, how's the fishing down there? Fishing? A matter of fact, it hasn't been so good so far, Fred. Ah, that's too bad, but I'll bet the swimming is all right, huh? 
Whoa there, what's eating you? I didn't send you down there for vacation. Well, you got a great sense of humor. You should see this place vacation. Then what have you been doing down there? What do you think I've been doing? I've been looking for whoever it was that telephoned you and said he had information on Alvin Summers. You couldn't have been looking very hard. He called me again this morning. He what? That's right. He wondered if I'd sent anyone down there yet. Hey, look, Fred, this guy is not easy to find, believe me. And I think I know why. Obviously, somebody doesn't want him to talk, and that somebody could be Alvin Summers, about one jump behind him. Summers, you, you think he's around there? Could be. I'm leaving right now to find out. I've got a lead on where he lives. Uh, there's somebody at the door. I'll call you when I get anything. Do that. Brother, fishing. Oh, Lieutenant Gomez. Uh, well, look, I'm in sort of a hurry right now. This will not take long. Okay. What is it, Lieutenant? Early this morning, one of my men found Senor Kraus in the alley. How is he feeling? He had been badly beaten. He would not tell us anything, but it was fairly obvious who had done this to him. So? So, the last time we talked, Senor Dollar, I warned you not to attempt to take the law into your own hands. Now listen, Gomez, if you think I'm going to take a pistol whipping like he gave me and not do anything about do it, you Do not gotta... misunderstand. I care nothing about Kraus personally or what happens to him. I'm thinking about something more important. For instance? You are looking for Alvin Summers, a man who quite obviously does not want to be found. So? So when you find him, it is quite possible that there will be trouble. Granted. But let's face a few facts, Lieutenant. You and your boys can't help me. You're in charge of the Santa Tomas Police Force, all two men. And I imagine you've got a few other things on your mind besides an ambassador from the States and an insurance investigator. That may so well that be means true. I've got to do it on my own. Very well, Senor Dollar. This morning I attended the funeral of Benito Inscanza, who was killed because he had information about Alvin Summers. If you find Summers and take the law into your own hands again, I fear I may have to attend another funeral. Yours. That's what I liked about Gomez. He was the cheerful type. Well, I picked up Gloria at her hotel and we headed for Summers' place. We walked down the beach about a mile below town. The beach kept narrowing as the jungle crowded closer and closer to the water. This place is in from the beach a ways. There's a little path pretty soon that leads in. You could walk right by it and never see it. Here it is. And that's just what we'll do. Hmm? Walk right by it. I don't want to lead anyone else here. There's nobody else on the beach. I'm not talking about the beach. That's a regular jungle in there. Twenty people could be watching us, so we'd never see them. Oh, I guess so. Okay. We'll go in here, then work our way back to the path. Brother, this is pretty thick in here. Yeah. Oh, you're walking through thick brush like this. You always feel like somebody's watching you. Imagination gets pretty strong sometimes. I think it's a little more than imagination. What do you mean? Stop a minute. Listen. I don't hear Shh. him. Johnny. Yeah, somebody's tailing us again. Look, keep moving straight ahead. I'm going to circle and see if I can intercept him. All right, but be careful. Gloria moved on and I started circling to the right. Every few seconds I'd stop and listen. Yeah, he was still there. I pegged the direction of the sound and started edging toward it slowly. Then my foot caught on a bar. I scrambled to my feet and kept going in the same direction. There was a small clearing ahead. I reached it, stopped, and listened. Nothing. Whoever I was chasing seemed to know the country better than I did. He disappeared. 
I caught up with Gloria a couple of hundred yards farther along the trail. Any luck, Johnny? No. Whoever it is is pretty good at keeping out of sight. Are you sure it was a person? Might have been some kind of animal. Yeah, maybe. You can see a corner of Alvin Summer's hut from here. Past that big tree. Yeah, come on. And stay behind me. All right. If there's any trouble... You think there will be? Look, a guy who's this careful about hiding doesn't usually welcome visitors. Quiet now. No sign of life. Keep back against the wall. I'm going to open the door. Hmm. Okay, Gloria. Nobody home, huh? Nobody home. Well, he seems to have a pretty comfortable place here. You like to live in jungles. Hmm. Yeah. What? Looks like he hasn't been around for several days. Oh? The food in these cupboards, pretty moldy. Yeah, I guess they've cleared out. They? Uh Uh-huh. He and whoever was here with him. What makes you think someone was? For one thing, two sets of dirty dishes over there. Maybe he just wasn't neat. He'd have to have been awfully neat to use two toothbrushes and two kinds of toothpaste, and two people have been eating at this table. See the crumbs? Maybe there's something around here that could give you a clue to where he might be now. Maybe. If he's still alive. What do you mean? You think he isn't? Oh, I don't know. But if somebody else was living here, too, it could mean he had a partner in this deal. And it's a funny thing about that kind of playmates. Sooner or later, they start quarreling about who's going to hold the marbles. $75,000 worth in this case. Johnny, if he is dead, that leaves you nowhere. Maybe not. Listen. What? Yeah. Sounds like our shadow is somewhere outside. Keep talking, Gloria. Normal tone. I'm going out the back way and see if I can spot him. Why don't you look around the hut, Johnny? Gloria kept up a line of patter while I slipped out the back door and into the brush. I listened. You want me to do anything? Nothing but the sound of Gloria's voice. He had to be somewhere near. But where? I worked my way around to the front of the cabin, still under cover. No sign. I kept on around the other side. Then as I started to climb over a fallen tree trunk, I saw a shadow out of the corner of my eye. Hold it. Don't turn around. The voice was behind me. I could see the rest of the shadow now, a hand with a gun. And I knew it was zeroed in on my backbone. I said hold it. I'm holding. Drop your gun. Kick it backwards, quick. Hey, look, whoever you are... Don't turn around. Okay. And don't try to move. Mind telling me... Keep your eyes straight ahead. Any move, any move at all, it'll be your last. Johnny Dollar. I told you, that's my name. What do you want, an affidavit? I've got to be sure. Look, you've got me out here in the middle of the jungle with a gun in my back. Don't turn around. And I can't even see you. You think I'd be kidding you at a time like this? Any move, any move at all, and it'll be your last. Santo Tomas, Mexico. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Northeastern Fidelity and Bonding, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of additional expenses during my investigation of the Alvin Summers embezzlement of $75,000. Item 12, two cents. Just what I figured my life was worth at the moment. 
Gloria Harris had taken me down the beach and into the jungle to show me the hut where Alvin Summers had been hiding out. There was no sign of him. But I heard a noise outside in the underbrush and went out to investigate. I didn't see a thing. But I felt something. A gun barrel pressing against the back of my neck. I want to talk to you, Dollar. Well, you've got a quaint way of arranging a conversation, believe me. I could do better if you take away that gun. Johnny! Don't answer. Who's answering? Johnny! Wait. Well... Be in your hotel room in exactly one hour. Look, what's this all about? You're looking for Alvin Summers, aren't you? Oh, am I? Johnny, where are you? I've got some information about him for you. Let's have it now. Not now. I've got to talk to you alone. Be in your hotel room in town in an hour, understand? Look. Do as I say and be sure you're alone. Alone. Okay. Now, just keep looking straight ahead. Don't turn around and don't tell anyone about this. Anyone. Understand? You make it pretty clear. I'll be watching you, Dollar. You won't see me, but I'll see you. I can believe it, mister. Johnny, please. Johnny, where... Oh, here you are. Yeah, here I am. Why didn't you answer me? I came out here looking for a guy, remember? How am I going to find him if I start shouting at you? But I got worried when you didn't come back to the hut. Yeah. That noise you heard outside, did you see anything? No, I didn't see a thing. Johnny, didn't you find anything to give you a lead on where Summers might be? I don't know. But you said if I helped you find him, you'd see what you could do about getting me a passport back to the States. Yeah, sure. Come on, let's get out of here. It suits me fine. This place gives me the creeps, all these trees and vines. Broad daylight, but you can't see a thing. I know. My imagination's still working overtime. I've got that feeling we're being watched again. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, real funny. We kept on toward the beach. Gloria was fidgeting because she thought somebody was watching us. I was fidgeting because I knew somebody was. And I had a strong hunch he was the man whose long-distance phone call to the States brought me down to Mexico in the first place. We got back to the beach. I took Gloria up to her hotel and went down to mine in town. As I crossed the lobby toward the stairway to the second floor, out popped a familiar face. Hello, Frank! Oh, Carson... Lieutenant Gomez let you out of jail, huh? Oh, now, let's get one thing straight, friend. I never was actually in jail. Well, you're lucky. I've seen the jail. Huh? Oh, well, I, I just had to pay a fine, and that judge they got in this burg read me the riot act, but then they let me go. Well, good. So now it's back to selling zippers, huh? Sure is, and I'm behind schedule, too. Checking out right now, as a matter of fact. A lot of territory to cover. Like I always say, half, half the, the world... Half the world's waiting to get zipped up. Yeah, you told me. All right, Dad. Say, Dollar, mm. I'd like you to do me a favor. Oh? That little trouble I got into last night up at the Playa del Mar Hotel, I'd sure appreciate it if you'd keep quiet about it when you get back to the States. You mean you don't want anybody to know you got plastered, grabbed a serape, and did the fandango? Now, Dollar! I broke a guitar over the musician's head? Now, can't we just forget about Believe me, that? I had until you reminded me. Now, Carson, I'm reasonably sure we don't know the same people and won't be seeing each other again. I'd say the secret of your lurid past was pretty safe. Well, I sure hope so, friend. But about not seeing each other in the States, I was planning on looking you up. Goody. Yes, sir, I got a deal for you. Sorry, but I have all the zippers I can use at the moment. No, that's not what I mean, friend. I've been trying to get you into a cribbage game, remember? How can I forget? Well, instead, I'm going to look you up in the States and let you teach me to play gin rummy. How could I be so lucky? Oh, sorry. I think that's my phone. So long, Carson. I'll sure look you up back in the good old USA, friend. (laughs) 
Hello? 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 Hmm. Keep your hands on the table. What? Oh, my shadow again. Anybody follow you? Not that I know of. You're early. I know. And I searched your room. That's become an old Santa Tomas custom. To make sure you really were Johnny Dollar. So now you know. What about it? You can turn around. Oh, no. Maybe you'll tell me what... Wait a minute. A decent shave and you'd match that photo I have in my suitcase. Alvin Summers. Yeah. I'm Alvin Summers. I don't get it. I had you figured for the man who made that long-distance call to the States that tipped me off to come down here. You're right about that, too. You put the finger on yourself? If you want to call it that. Well, what happened? Your deal goes sour on you, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sit down. Take it easy. Tell me about it. I'll turn on the overhead fan. Pretty stuffy in here. Dollar, that phone call you got just now... Hung up. Clerk downstairs must have rung the wrong room. Or somebody was checking to see if you were here. Could be. Okay, suppose you start from the top. What was that? Relax. What are you... Just one of the charming features of this room. You turn on that big overhead fan, it slams the balcony door. Oh, well, turn it off, will you? I'm kind of edgy. Yeah, sure. You asked me if my deal had gone sour. It went very sour. Oh, I had it all figured out. I was planning it for a year. I was going to embezzle the 75000 and really live, live big. Yeah. Instead of that, I spent all my time hiding. Mexico City, Cuernavaca, Tampico, you name it, I was there. Always undercover, always hiding. Did you ever spend much time hiding, Dollar? No, not much. Oh, it's a great life, great. Every time somebody looks at you on the street, you're sure he's after you, tailing you. You wake up in the middle of the night, you see a shadow outside... Turns out to be just a bush, but you spend the rest of the night sweating. Finally, I, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. The rest of my life that way... You know, Summers, a lot of guys figure that out before it's too late. Too bad you didn't. Yeah. So, finally, I phoned the bonding company long distance. I knew they'd send an investigator. They sent you. I, I thought if I could talk to someone like you, see what could be done... There's only one thing can be done at this point, Summers. Come back with me to the States. Bring back what's left of the money. Sixty thousand. That'll help. But you know there can't be any deal. Yeah, I... I guess I always knew that. Here. Take the gun. Thanks. Now, what about the money? It's in a safe deposit box in Mexico City. Here. Here's the key. One thing I don't get, though, Summers. Yeah? You wanted me to contact, but you were sure playing hard to find. Well, I had to be careful. I got a look at you the first day you arrived. I wasn't sure you were the one, so I decided to come to your room that night, but then I saw somebody else coming here, so I gave up. Who was it? The bellboy. Benito? Hey. That'll be just before he got knifed. Oh, no. I wasn't the one who killed him, Dollar. I'm no killer. Just the fool who runs away with somebody else's money, remember? Anyway, I didn't have another chance to get to Idle today. I had to keep undercover so they wouldn't find me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's they? (laughs) The man who arranged for me to come down here and the girl who was going to make it all worthwhile. The girl... Summers, don't... me, Johnny. Gloria! 
Hello, baby. Here, let me... Leave the gun right where it is, Johnny. Put that safe deposit key on the table. I guess you're calling them. Thanks. And it all adds up. You found out Summers here was planning to turn himself in. You didn't want that money to slip through your fingers. But Summers disappeared from his hideout. You couldn't find him, so you figured you'd let me find him for you. That's right. And it worked. And you're so right about that money. You think I'd give it up now? Gloria. Keep out of it, Alvin. If you want to go back and be a Boy Scout, that's your business. But the money stays with me. Johnny. Yeah? This doesn't have to be the end of it for us. Oh. So now we get the pitch about making beautiful music, huh? I'm not kidding, Johnny. Sixty thousand's a lot of money. You know, you put on quite an act. Maybe I believed a little bit of it. But if I did, I quit the moment you walked through that door just now. Okay, Johnny, that's enough. I thought maybe you'd be smart, but if you won't, you leave me no choice. No, Gloria, don't. Gloria! <laughs> the balcony. Out on the balcony. Hold it! Carson. Stay right where you are, friend. Oh, shut up. She's dead. She crossed me. You and she were working against each other. She wanted me to lead her to Summers. You wanted to find him yourself. That's right. And Summers, you took a lot of findings. That's why you killed Benito the bellboy to shut his mouth. Then you went up to the big hotel and clowned around so you'd get arrested and that way set up an alibi for the evening. I was pretty proud of that little idea, Dollar. And it's all worked out just the way I wanted it. You see, right from the start... I Carson was holding all the trumps. They were made out of lead, and I knew he was going to start dealing them any second. Then I remembered the overhead fan. The switch was right next to my elbow. The balcony door was open, and Carson had his back to it. What are you doing? Just turning on the fan. I need some air. Can you blame me? Yeah. You're sweating, aren't you, Dollar? What's the matter? You losing your nerve? Well, it really doesn't matter. What the... The door slammed. Carlson whirled. I knocked the lamp off the table. By the time I hit the floor, my gun was out. I picked up the lamp and lit it again. Summers was crouched in a corner. Across the room, sitting on the floor, was Carson staring stupidly down at the red bullet hole in his side. I picked his gun up off the floor. Dollar! Summers, call the police station, Lieutenant Gomez. Yeah, all right. Help me, Dollar. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. But not as much as it hurt Benito and Gloria. I, I... You finally got me into a game, didn't you, friend? And you lost. Expense account item 13. Double the amount of item 1. $440. Transportation back to the States for Alvin Summers and me. And you know, I turned him over to the authorities as soon as we got back. That's the way he wanted it. Gloria? Well... Once in a while, I get to wondering if she really meant some of the things she told me. Not that it matters. Conclusion of report. Expense account total, $923. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, please, there'll be a new exciting story on Johnny Dollar beginning next Monday. Next week, the Valentine matter. And believe me, it's not the kind of Valentine you'd wish on even your worst enemy. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood, written by Robert Reif. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Virginia Gregg, Marvin Miller, Don Diamond, Tony Barrett, and Parley Bear. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. Carson turning out to be the villain is such an incredibly clever twist. Because even going into the last episode, they were playing him as essentially comic relief. Even into the fifth episode. Also, I liked how they experimented with the opening to the episodes. Because going back to the O'Brien era, the program had a tradition of beginning with a phone ringing and Johnny Dollar picking it up and stating his name. And that's great if you're dealing with self-contained episodes, but it makes sense if you are making a series of serialized stories, you don't necessarily want to be bound to the idea of Johnny being at the phone at the start of each episode. Johnny had a couple of strong, tough guy moments. Of course, in episode three, when he repaid the fugitive who beat him up because he just assumed that Johnny was there to get him. And then, of course, in the finale against Carson. But then the... Sadness over glory at the end really kind of balances out the picture. The script itself, even though there was no espionage or international intrigue angle involved, had a lot of the cadences and feel of Dangerous Assignment. Now, it could be that this was just because Robert Reif wrote it, but I kind of have a sense that there may have been a dangerous assignment script that served as the basis for it. Whether it's an episode we haven't heard yet, or whether it's an episode that is lost and that we may never hear, I'm not certain. But there were so many things that reminded me of Dangerous Assignment, and I think that the Lieutenant Gomez part reads to me and sounds to me like it was a Jay Novello character. I could be wrong, but we may find out. And of course, I need to comment about the most important aspect of the story, and that is the cribbage angle. Carson, of course, was a disgrace to cribbage players everywhere. If he was a cribbage player, who knows? He may have just been betting on Johnny not wanting to play. Though that would have been an embarrassing gambit, I mean... 
Your whole cover is that you're a salesman who likes scrimmage and you don't actually know how to play. That, that would not go well at all. I was a little surprised that Johnny didn't know anything at all about cribbage when Gomez asked him. I thought he would probably know that it was a card game, even if he didn't know anything else about it. And now, more on today's announcement. Now, I actually did want to write down word for word what I was going to say. I, I don't really do that for podcasts, but I... Just could not find the time to write everything. But I did write an outline, which should at least help me from getting too far lost. So, in talking about uh, what's ahead for us in the future, I first do want to say that I've worked with some really great people over the last 19 years. I appreciated them and support they provided, and I've also appreciated the opportunity I had with uh, my company. I uh, started out in 2003 working uh, in the call center and had an opportunity to really further my career, make a few moves in the course of that period and have a lot of really interesting experiences. So I'm grateful for the opportunities. For a long time, my goal has really been to be able to focus full time on my creative efforts, particularly podcast and writing. And so I am really excited to be moving into this next chapter. And I want to thank those who've really made this possible. I want to thank my wife for her patience and support through this entire 16-year process. Most of uh, this time, this uh, has seemed like a really far-out possibility. With a lot of disappointments, a lot of opportunities we weren't able to take advantage of, and she never told me to stop or discourage me from continuing in this. And so I really appreciate her sacrifices over the years. Of course, she edited the website for many years before Elijah came along, so I really appreciate that. Uh, Andrew Rines, of course, who edits the podcast and does a far better job than I can at cleaning up audio and at really helping put out the best possible uh, project. He, of course, also uh, has designed so much of our cover art. His Sherlock Holmes and Dragnet and Tales of the Texas Rangers uh, cover art in particular are really great, and he's also provided a lot of technical assistance and advice as we've worked through various processes and done so much to support everything we do here, and I really appreciate what he's put into this. And then, of course, there's all of you listeners. In some ways, this is almost like a goes without saying. If I didn't have listeners, I obviously would not be making this move. But it's even more than that. Obviously, as we've been talking about throughout the listener support, people who do things like support the program on Patreon make such a great difference. And we've had some periods in the show where we've had growing pains, where we'd grown beyond our hosting, uh, and we needed listeners to step up, and people supported us so that we could uh, continue to bring you this podcast. But even beyond financial support, as I was talking about yesterday, your 
words of encouragement. All of the notes you sent in over the years have meant so much and helped us through so many of the rough passages. I received notes from so many of you about how the program mattered to you and that sense that this was important and meaningful really uh, meant so much and still means so much uh, to me today. I also want to thank Spreaker, our host for the past two and a half years. Their ad exchange has made this uh, moment possible. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity and what that means for me as well as for a lot of other podcasters out there. Thanks to them, we're going to really be able to focus on being able to do some great things in the coming years that I'm really looking forward to. I've got ideas for two or three different old-time radio podcasts. Not daily podcast, mind you, but weekly and bi-weekly, as well as an idea for a non-old-time radio podcast, and I've got some book ideas and an idea even for a YouTube channel, and we'll see how many of these uh, things we get to. Although we're not planning to launch anything new right away, we're going to take a while just to kind of recalibrate life and rest up a little bit. Because trying to do two jobs while having a new baby can be a bit tiring. And we do have a break that will be coming up. I've pre-recorded programs for that period. It'll be about two and a half weeks. All of the standard programs and features should go out as normal during this period. And we've got everything uh, being recorded. Uh, I've pretty much finished our spring series of the amazing world of radio and I'll be recording the Easter series in the next couple of weeks and then when we return from break we will start recording whatever summer series the our Patreon supporters have chosen. So again a lot of fun exciting stuff ahead and I'm looking forward to what this uh, new period will bring. So, and again, I appreciate everyone who helped make this happen. Again, thank you so much. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a new review in the Apple Store for the Yours Truly Johnny Dollar feed. And uh, Thomas Arana writes, Thanks, I love in Europe from San Francisco. Your shows give me a fun in relaxing intermission of all the stress. Thanks, Adam, for your hard work and insight. Viva Boise. Ciao from Naples, Italy, my favorite city in the world. Did Johnny Dollar ever go there for a job? Well, thank you so much. Good question, Thomas. And the answer is, no, Johnny never went to Florence or a lot of international locations. Although there were a few adventures that were set there. I became more and more rare as the series went on. And to me, it's one of those missed opportunities. Because a Johnny Dollar adventure really could be sent anywhere where an insurance company might send him. But if you go on, like, into the Andel Kramer era, it could be anywhere in the world, but was usually in Hartford or New York City. Now, of course, I think part of that, as the series goes on, is that you have a series that airs 
every week, but doesn't quite have the same budget for writers. And if you're going to tell a story that is even somewhat evocative of an area, unless you know it really well, you're going to have to do some research. And if that's not part of your regular modus operandi, that's going to be a challenge. It also is why even some series that do go to international locations, it can feel like the portrayal is a bit surface level. You're dealing with a constant demand for scripts and not enough time to really research the setting properly so that you can make it feel real to listeners. That, of course, is what makes Rocky Jordan somewhat unique in that it does feel a lot more realistic and like it's set in a real location because being set in Cairo is one of its main things. And so the writers, you know, researched a lot about Cairo. I think they had, like, one book that they had as their basic guide. But doubtless they went you know, looking for other things and learning more about Egypt since that was the setting of the show. But I think in most other programs, it could be quite a challenge. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your review, Thomas. And then we turn over to Instagram and Rabidude, who'd been a little bit uncertain about uh, Bob Bailey, after listening to the first two episodes of... The Chesapeake Fraud Matter writes, Okay, maybe he's starting to grow on me. Music to my ears. Thank you so much. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Paul. Paul has been one of our Patreon supporters since March of 2016, currently supporting the program at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Paul. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow it using your favorite podcast software. And if you are listening to a podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, mark the notification bell, and if you've got thoughts on the episode, feel free to leave a comment. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But coming up tomorrow, listen for... Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Well, it's unbelievable, Ranger. Three heavy bars, and only that piece of string to work with. The patience of the man. How long was he in isolation, Doctor? Uh, about three months. Can't imagine why one of the attendants didn't notice what he was doing. It seems like he was pretty clever about that, too. Uh, little bits of chewing gum on the ends of the bars. Probably used to cover up his progress. Look at the way those bars have been out, Jase. Took a strong man to do that, even after they were sawed through. Uh, it's Charlie Strong. He's incredibly strong. Oh, that's my call. You want to wait here, Rangers? I shouldn't be long. Oh, we'll come along with you. We're anxious to get going as soon as we ask you a few more questions. Certainly. Yeah, I was saying I, I didn't realize how strong Charlie was till we had to put him in isolation. What happened? Well, we had just admitted a young man to the hospital, a schoolteacher. One day he was talking to Charlie. Now, something he said must have made Charlie angry. Did Charlie attack him? Yes, he did. It took six attendants to get Charlie under control. He almost killed the schoolteacher. Was that the first time you had trouble with him? Yes, he's always been very quiet, too quiet. We weren't able to do much with him in the way of therapy. What about his killing his parents and sisters? Were you ever able to figure out the reason for it? Yeah, it wasn't easy to get Charlie to talk, but we gathered they'd always made fun of him. 
He'd been taken out of school when he was 16 and still in the fourth grade. And his family didn't let him forget it. He was older than 16 when he killed them, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, just a second, Rangers. I, I have the key right here. Wasn't Charlie in his middle 20s when he came here? Uh, 24. Seems he ran away from home after he was taken out of school. He came back to see the bluff. That's his hometown eight years ago. Well, after he'd been home only two months, he... Well, you know the rest. Uh-huh. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.